like to welcome you to the supernatural through his word. This is episode two. We're going to be going through Cain and Abel and the genealogy of Adam to Noah. I am your host, Reverend Michael Norton. Um, again, I'd like to thank you guys for coming today. And what this is, is we are going through Genesis chapters four and five today. In our previous episode, episode one, we went through Genesis one through three, the creation and the fall. Let's go around. As we all were talking about the supernatural, the supernatural in the Bible. And a lot of times as we go through these accounts of the Bible, usually from the pulpit, many times as you know, we have some preachers that preach it like it is and, and put the supernatural back into it. The supernatural word of God is the divine word of God. And God does reveal his unseen world in there. And many times at the pulpit, we just pass over it, especially in Western society here. So what we're going to do here is we're going to go take a look at the accounts of Cain and Abel, Genesis chapter 4. And then we're going to look at the uh, the descendants from Adam to Noah, right? The genealogy that led to Noah. So again, I'd like to um, welcome some of the people here I work with. I, I am a, a counselor and I also work as a, a spiritual warfare warrior and exorcist that works with uh, uh, people who have been traumatized by the occult and put under severe trauma by the occult and programmed by the occult. And as I go through the Bible working with these people, many times they have mind control conditioning that twists the scripture. It's done on purpose. It's called programming to control thoughts and to prevent people who are, uh, have been in, undergone this trauma to seeking Jesus for help. They have a, a spirit inside them that's honed into the Holy Spirit that's saved but there's programming blocking their abilities to read the Bible. That's kind of why I'm going through um, the word verse by verse. It's specifically for um, some of these trauma survivors. Stay close here too, because I'm also putting together the word as it is, not just specifically geared. I just want to point out some stuff where programming happened. Um, the dark supernatural, right? But here is to highlight the true supernatural, the light, the light of God, and how he's a loving God and how he helps people. Because when people have been programmed, as I mentioned before, like some people, um, Christians as youth have would train, had that book trained up by a child by their parents, which was total mind control. And so we have verses of the Bible that are totally twisted and used. And as adults, these, these um, people are, are, you know, they're, they're trying to go through the word, go deeper in their sanctification, but the programming keeps popping up and inhibiting them because the scriptures were twisted lies for control. We have the same problem too with satanic ritual abuse, right? Um, the, the scripture was twisted to make Jesus look evil, mean, and um, he's not going to help them at all, right? And worst of all, through all this programming, whether it was Christian ritual abuse or satanic ritual abuse, the identities, multiple identities inside these souls, all think they're evil and they're bad people. And that's the result of programming. It's not the, the result of how God loves them. So, as I go through the word, I want to highlight, especially through some of the accounts in the Bible, how people fell or fallen, but God still loved them. And he didn't, he didn't go after them in, in ways that their, their parents did or their programmers did, right? They were double binds, we call that, where there was a no-win situation and the scripture was used to enforce the no-win situation to enforce, enforce hopelessness. In God's supernatural word, there is not hopelessness, there's absolute hope. 
It's a story of hope and a story of a loving God that comes in and absolutely loves mankind, including you guys who who are struggling and think you're evil, but you're not. Um, I want just you guys just to relax and put your parts at peace and just whoever your true believer is that goes to church and tries to read through the word, let's let them come up and listen today and listen to the truth. I want your parts to seek the truth. When you seek the truth and unpack it, that's what starts happening. You start getting the revelation from the Holy Spirit as a supernatural word was meant to be. It was meant to be a book of hope and a book of love for his people. And interesting enough, as, as short as the account of Cain and Abel is today, that, that is actually highlighted by loving God. And I don't know um, how the programmers would have twisted this, but I can only imagine, right? Cain was evil, just like you, right? If you're getting that, glean off that, I want your parts just to relax and say to themselves, or we read through this and we unpack this, that this isn't you. The Cain in this story is not you, right? God was making some specific pointers about what was going on. And I want you to see how in the, in the word, how he treated Cain. He didn't treat him with a no-win situation. There was consequences, but there was godly consequences, right? It's not like somebody, to, you know, you choose this or that, anything you're doing is wrong, right? That's a double bind. God didn't do that. God just gave consequences that were equivalent to the crime that was committed in Genesis 4. Oh, before I go on to, I almost forgot. The amazing intro was the blessing of a great worship artist named Melody Joy Cloud. She's on YouTube. When I heard her sing Yeshua, I go, man, that has to be my that has to be my leader for this, man. This has to be it. And I reached out to her and she graciously said, yeah, go ahead and use it. So I want you just to guys to go when you're done here and listen to some amazing worship music. It's on Melody Joy Cloud's YouTube site and a channel. It's it's phenomenal. Her worship songs are phenomenal. Go listen to her. Again, thank you, Melody Joy. I, I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have us. So let's move along here, guys. Here we go. Here comes the amazing PowerPoints. If you're watching on YouTube, you got these spectacular PowerPoints that Mike's throwing up on the screen. If you're not, don't worry. If you're listening in a car, go ahead and listen. And later on, if you want to go, what was Mike talking about? What did he reference? Go back and pull up the YouTubes, right? Of my channel. They are hosted on m16ministries.blogspot.com, okay? That's where the supernatural through his word is hosted. You guys may maybe also recognize my annoying voice from Tales of Glory and that podcast, and as well as St. Teresa of Avila's Interior Castle is hosted on a field guide to spiritual warfare.blogspot.com. What I'm going to do, as I said earlier too, I'm putting a lot of the technicalities in for future Tales of Glory, so I don't have to backtrack. I can just re reference my own work over here on um, the supernatural through his word because what we're going to do, we are going to unpack the supernatural. And a lot of us Christians just glaze over the Old Testament and not realize that the Old Testament is one big book on spiritual warfare. One huge book. We're going to cover it. All right. So today we are in Genesis chapters 4 through 5. So Genesis 4. It's the account of Cain and Abel. I'm reading from the ESV version of the Bible. Sometimes I'll reference other Bibles too. I think the ESV has a very close, accurate, modern translation. So I tend to use that because it's easy to read. And then again, other times I may throw in an Aramaic Bible. I may throw in something else to, to make reference to, King James, whatever. You know, it's just, I have several Bibles on my bookshelf and I, I go through them but pretty much I just go through Bible Gateway now and I do references and lookups on the phone, right? 
So, Genesis 4, chapter 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. So if you listen to the podcast for Genesis 1 through 3, we know when Adam and Eve were exiled from the Garden of Eden, the mountain of God, the ground was now cursed, right? So keep that in mind where Cain is a worker of the ground. The ground is cursed. And if you, you know, you're not following there, you can go back and listen to it afterwards. That's okay. Um, I'm going to try to fill in the blanks for you guys. But background. So Cain's a worker of the ground and Abel is a keeper of the sheep. Verse 3. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Okay, well, we have seven verses right there, and let's unpack them. Start with unpacking Genesis 4, 1 through 2, because a lot of interesting terms here that we'd like you to understand. Starting verse 1, now Adam knew his wife Eve. What does that mean, right? Hey, I know you. You're in the garden with me. I remember you. Uh, Dude, I know you. That's not what that means. Um, Know or knew is a biblical term for intimacy. Intimacy means a strong, deep relationship with someone. Knowing is also used for intimacy and conceiving. Right? So Jesus and Yahweh use the term, he knows us. We're intimately being in relationship with us. The names of people who know Jesus have their names written in heaven, right? We know that from Luke 10, right? And a couple of other spots throughout and a few Psalms too. So that makes sense here. So when Adam knew his wife, it meant he um, he had intercourse, he had sexual relations with her, right? But there's a deep knowing. You know, that's what it means here. It's like, hey, get over here, woman. You know, it's not that sort of thing right there. There was a deep intimacy between the two of them and they conceived, right? A man and his wife conceived. And there was deep intimacy. And so again, so when God says, you know, I did not know that man. Remember that in Matthew? Lord, Lord, we cast out demons and prophesied and committed miracles in your name. He goes, depart from me. I did not know you. He doesn't know you guys intimately. It means you guys, there's, there's people out there that memorize scripture, cast out demons and all this stuff. And they think that's it. That's not it. It goes beyond that. A person that acts out at least two commands rather than memorizing commands they never act out is in a better relationship with Jesus than the person that memorizes scripture. Does that make sense? It's about your actions and it's about building a relationship with Jesus. So that's knowing, right? A man knows his wife. He, he knows her intimately. That's when he marries her, right? And Jesus knows us intimately and our names are written in heaven. 
That means we're saved, right? Unpacking Genesis verses 1 through 2 still. Eve conceived Cain with the help of the Lord. Huh. What's that mean? It is my opinion that God is pointing out that he is still a component in conception. Adam is intimate with his wife, Eve, and conceived Cain, right? Adam and Eve provide the DNA, right? The intimacy happened there. The spirit portion was placed in her womb by God, right? Psalm 139.13. Now, I want to stop here for some people have been programmed and they have a hard time with conception and the Holy Spirit providing the spirit or being involved. When the Holy Spirit provides the spirit in the womb, the conceptions happened, right? The miracles happened. The DNA meets inside the, the uh, woman's womb. And when that happens, you know, the Holy Spirit places the spirit into the womb, like the child, right? We know this right here. That's how God helps Eve, right? That's how he helped her. He put the spirit in the womb. Many occult practices and rituals have twisted this and harmed mother's wombs and provided, I know some people with, what's going on here? No, God is not having sex with Eve. That is not what's happening. That is not, get that through your head if you're dealing with the um, the occult or occult programming. That's not what's happening. It's kind of like the same way he blew life, Holy Spirit blew life in, or the spirit into Adam when he was in the dust and probably the same with Eve, right? He, he just, you know, you know, that's what it is. It's supernaturally put in there. There's no sexual activity at all. So if you're struggling with this right now, I want you to get that right now. When God assisted Adam and Eve so Eve conceived with Cain with the help of the Lord. God put the spirit of Cain into the womb, right? We know it from Psalm 139.13. I knitted you in your mother's womb, right? That's what's going on here. So we have it in down here. Uh, Psalm 139.13. For you formed my inner parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb, right? You knitted. There's nothing sexual going on. So if some of you guys are struggling with this, that's what's happening here. That's the truth. There's nothing sexual going on here. God is placing a spirit into the womb. Now, what does this tell us, right? We can tell us some horrible things about what we're doing society right now with abortion, right? When the conception happens, there's a spirit. Immediately, there's a spirit because God's assisting. Man and woman provide the DNA and God provides a spirit, right? So we're killing a spirit in the womb. That spirit never has a chance to become living, breathing, right? It's denied by uh, very dark choices. I want to clarify something here too. So if you guys have been through occult programming, it says, verse one said, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. The scripture completely discounts the rabbinic mythology that Eve was seduced by, this, by the serpent and conceived Cain. And some weird charismatic circles and some other rabbinic circles are equally kind of wacky. There's a scripture that came about around 800 AD that was fabricated by um, either rabbinic or some other person somewhere around that time that twisted scripture to make it say that Eve was seduced by the serpent. It was no way around the time of the second temple Hebrews. So if any of this stuff was ever used in ritual that you know, the serpent conceived with, with um, Eve to conceive Cain. That's a blatant lie, and we need to remove that off the table right now, okay? That needs to come off the table. And any Christian that believes that right now, 
Um, deception, deception alert. Root, root, ding, 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 ding. Deception is not. We know it from scripture right here. Genesis 4.1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. Right? There it is. There is no serpent seducing Eve in the garden. So we could put that one to rest and let's move along. Verse 8. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? Cain said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed in the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. So unpacking the sins of Cain. A couple of things. So Cain killed his brother Abel because he was upset because Abel brought a better offering, which was the fattened, was it the fattened sheep, to God, and God accepted it, and Cain brought his offering to God, which was the fruit on the ground, right? And God kind of like rejected it. And so, you know, God's going, why the long face? You know, why are you, why are you sad? There's a couple of things here we need to unpack. You know, it's, we're looking at Cain being the, the first murderer, right? The, the, the root of some man evil, you know, it's, there's so many speculations here. Again, like I said, it's not it's not because he was the seed of the serpent that seduced <laughs> Eve, right, in the garden. That's not what's going on here. Um, I'm going to hop over in Scripture to 1 John 3, verses 11 through 12. That has a, a kind of a interesting inflection reflecting back to the, this, this account. So Scripture, unpacking Scripture here. Verse 11, 1 John. For this message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who was from the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. This is interesting because John's taken us full circle. Before there were the Ten Commandments, there were probably two. Well, there were three. Don't go into the tree, right? <laughs> and we failed that one. So we're down to two. So I think we're back to love your God, you know, with all your heart, all your mind, all your spirit. And number two is love your neighbor and love your brother, right? Love, love, love. There it is, right? God's establishing love. God's establishing love right there. And Cain in his heart somehow, he, you know, as he grew up, his heart got hardened or something happened where he didn't choose to follow a righteous path with God. I think there may be stuff here he's upset because he had to toil the ground, right? The ground was cursed. And he could have been groveling, again, blaming God for cursing the ground. Who knows, right? And so it could be totally possible, too, that when Cain brought his offering, a possibility is it was like, here, God, here's an offering, kind of like, paying a tax. Could you at least loosen a little bit of the curse off the ground here? You know, could you help me out there at least? I brought you an offering. Look what you got, right? Come on, help a brother out here. 
I think that was his attitude. Where Abel's attitude was, you know, Lord, you know, I love you all my heart, all my mind, all my spirit. Yeah, I'm toiling the ground. Um, of course, sheep herding is not as hard as, as farming, right? Not as hard. And that could have been something else too that set Cain off. So Cain's mindsets were always in the wrong spot, right? He was he was quick to be angry with his brother and not love his brother. Like, well, my brother gave a better offering, which would have been okay, right? You know, I guess you gave a better offering today. Way to go, Abel. High five you, right? But he didn't. He just got really angry. Like, why wasn't my offering the best? So he wasn't living a life of love your brother. In this case, it literally was love your brother, right? Not just love your brother, your, your neighbor, your brother. This was love your brother. So he was failing the first one. So we can't serve two gods, right? It's back to Matthew, and I'm missing the scriptures when it was, where Jesus says you either serve my father or you serve the evil one, right, with your heart. And I think here, God was trying to point out, and John's reflecting on it too, he just had a murderous heart, you know? It was it, He wasn't born that way, but he allowed, you know, things in his life, his soul and his heart to flourish on dark thoughts and, you know, be of the world. His focus was on the world. Why did my brother give a better offering? You know, I can't get ahead in this world. I'm so mad. You know, the easiest thing to do is I can give a better offering. I can take this guy out, right? I'll take him out. That'll do it. And that way I'll be angry at my brother anymore. You know, and I think that's one possibility that happened here. And that's what, what um, John's trying to reflect on is when under free will, both Cain and Abel had free will. All spiritual beings have free will. Cain had the free will to say, hey, high five my brother. That's okay. That's great. That's right on. You know, move on. But instead, he, he chose to dwell. He chose to get angry with it. He chose to let his heart stir and boil. And he sought revenge. He took out his brother. And when he sought revenge, that is not an attribute of a loving God. That is an attribute of the devil. Right? And so God goes, you know what? <laughs> not staying here. And again, somebody else gets kicked out. What's interesting here too, though, um, if you notice in the dialogue, they're having dialogues with God. Even though they're outside of Eden, it looks like God's presence is still showing up and talking to these guys. It's pretty interesting. So here again, so verse 14, here's Cain talking to God. Behold, you have driven me away today from the ground and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on them sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who find him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So again, he was driven from the presence of God, right? Apparently... Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel were in the presence of God talking to him. So even though God pushed them out of the garden, because sin couldn't be in the garden, right? It's a mountain of God. It's the, kind of the throne area. It can't be in the, the evil can't be in the presence of God. That's sin. So again, the same thing here too. So God you know, drove off, go, hey, it's time for you to wander on here. You can't be here. You've already tainted the land and the, the area. Time to move on. It was kind of a loving God. God didn't smite him, right? God just says, you can't be here. I'm going to I'm gonna um, toss you out and I will protect you. There'll be a mark on you. If anybody messes with you, they'll get it sevenfold. But in the same part, I'm a loving father and I have to discipline you. What you did was wrong and now your brother's in shoal for it, right? It's kind of interesting. I was pondering on this last night. So if 
Abel was the first man murdered. Does that make him the first man in Shoal? Is he by himself? I don't know. Or does he have to deal with the demonic presence? You know, was, was paradise already set up for them there? I guess it was because God didn't want to be by himself, right? God didn't want the first soul in Shoal, the realm of death, by themselves. But it was kind of interesting to ponder last night. So was, was he there for a while by himself? You know, that been kind of creepy or kind of weird or how was it set up? Or, or you know, maybe he's just relaxed. There's a bunch of fruit there. Or I don't know what it looked like. But, you know, this one of those side uh, pontifications I had last night regarding what happened to Abel. Because it said that he, um, the, the, the ground swallowed him, right? That means he went, he went to Shoal. He went to death. So that wraps up Cain and Abel. So I hope that kind of makes sense for you guys that Cain was not the seed of the devil from, you know, <laughs> from the serpent and Eve conceiving. That's not what it is. Somewhere along the line after he was born, you know, he just, Cain had horrible thoughts. You know, he had soulish thoughts and he was of the world. And who knows, maybe some demonic um, presence were speaking to him like you're going to take that from your brother and he just listened to it rather than listen to God God was in the presence with him God probably worked a lot of stuff out with him so God you know he was disappointed like you went and did it you went and killed your brother you know and I only gave you again right I only give you guys two simple commands love me with all your heart and mind soul and spirit and love your brother which ironically can you see the identic parabolic thing happening here because what did Jesus say two commandments man Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor. And this was established back in Genesis 4, right? So God's a loving God, and he didn't smite Cain. So if some of you guys are doing, oh, I'm evil, God's going to smite me. God doesn't want to be near me. The reason God sent Cain away, and I think he was still talking to Cain too, the rest of his life. I think, you know, he tried to help him. Bad things happened. You know, when where does God reach most criminals? He reaches them in prison. They could be locked up for life, but God goes into the prisons and he reaches them there, even though that life may be messed up and, you know, heavily skewed or, or, you know, they feel earthly it's beyond redemption. Their spirit's not beyond redemption and God goes in there into the prisons, right? So remember that God will always chase you because he's, he loves you guys. He's always chasing your parts to heal them. And there's no such thing of a part beyond his redemption. Believe me, I've seen some dark stuff. I've seen some crazy stuff. I worked with some people who were, their sole purpose in life is they didn't even have a birth certificate, you know, that their families had them hidden and are used to birth other babies for sacrifices. And, you know, these people thought they were beyond redemption. And during sessions when Jesus came in, he totally redeemed these parts. And it may be harsh hearing that, but I want you guys to know, however programmed you think you are to be evil, it's a lie. Many of you may be dealing with programming where you think you're beyond redemption and it's hopelessness. I have seen some very dark scenarios in my counseling sessions where Jesus came in and absolutely forgave parts. I don't have an account anywhere where Jesus did not forgive a part for what they participated in. I don't. And I'm talking thousands upon thousands of parts we've dealt with, right? And people. And he always, always loves them and shows compassion for him. So he is a loving God. Remember, just two simple commandments. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And you struggle and fight through this. Even if you're put through Christian ritual abuse, right? Uh, train up your child type stuff and mind control. The real God. I call it the true Jesus, right? If you guys went through this stuff, I call it a true Jesus because it's a false Jesus you guys were shown. He's mean. 
and he's unforgiving and he punishes and he forces you to do chores, slave labor, and is, he's hopeless. That's a false Jesus. The true Jesus is the one we're talking about here in the Bible, right? He absolutely loves you. He wants to take you by the hand, your parts, and he wants to heal them. And just as he did Cain, right? Cain might be an example of a part that, you know, that the enemy got to and tried to program him and he ended up even killing somebody. God didn't smite him. God loved him. He was hurt. He was hurt by their actions, but he loved them, right? So keep that in mind. God is a, the true God. The true Jesus Christ is a loving God. And that's what we saw here with, with Cain and Abel. Let's move on. Verse 17. Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered Mahujal, and Mahujal fathered Methuselah, and Methuselah fathered Lamech. Boy, there's some names there. Verse 19, and Lamech took two wives. The name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah. Okay, hold right here. Stop the presses. So here we are, Lamech was a descendant of what, Enoch? So we see the Cain descendants, right? It's interesting to unpack certain little word tidbits. And Lamech took two wives. Was this what he was supposed to do? Was this, was this God? Did God tell him to take two wives? God said for a man to take a woman and she shall be your wife. Didn't say two wives. There was no polygamy. There was no polygamy in the Edenic um, design, right? So here we are at the um, Cain. We see an offshoot of kind of them watering down what God wants. Polygamy. This this is not good, okay? People go, polygamy's in the Bible. There it is. Yeah, God shows us polygamy to show how these individuals who do it usually have <laughs> the worst time in their lives because it is not of God, right? Even the ones that took like, uh, we'll see later on Abram and Sarah and took their uh, <laughs> their concubine. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't bode well. Intimacy and knowing a woman was between a man and a woman only. One wife, not polygamy. So let's jump on to verse 20. Ada bore Jabal. He was a father of those who dwell in the tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jabal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Okay. Zillah also bore Tubal Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. Ah, so we're in an Iron Age starting here, huh? The sister of Tubal Cain was Nama. Verse 23, Lamech says to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventyfold. Verse 25, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. Verse 26, so Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Ah, okay. Verse 26, so people, at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Interesting stuff here. So we see what's building. Um, 
they're now calling on Yahweh, right? They're calling on him. So it's about what? Uh, Seth was born and his son named Enosh. Okay. So right around the time of Seth was born, um, the people began to call upon the name of the Lord, right? So we have more people. We have cities going on with, with Cain up there. More and more people coming. But it looks like interesting. So we see two lineages. One from Cain. And Cain, we saw the polygamy start, right? And the one from Seth, from Seth's, Seth's lineage, excuse me, hard time saying that. From Seth's lineage, we begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Got that? There's 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 like a fork in the road here. Interesting. It's always good to read the genealogy and go back. Oh, why, why are these names here and what are they telling us? So we know from Cain, polygamy got introduced. And he's building cities. He probably still had interactions with God, but it got watered down. But here we are with Seth, and they're calling upon the name of the Lord. Cool stuff. So now let's move along to Genesis 5. Adam's descendants to Noah, right? Here we go. More generations. Let's go through these. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered his son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Interesting, we're throwing out imagers here, right? So, Seth was in the image of Adam. The best I could figure is he's, they're, they're talking about, like we saw earlier, right? Where Seth's um, descendants started calling upon the name of Yahweh. So I think that's in the name of the image, right? They're, they're carrying on some lineage from Edenic, right? Some Edenic uh, uh, traditional values here. And that was carried on through Seth, if I'm reading this properly. That, that was part of the imaging, right? We're going to take dominion of the land, have authority, um, work with God, right? As imagers of God. And Seth is the one to carry on the imaging. So verse 4, The days of Adam, after he fathered Seth, were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. So you look at 800 years, right? In our in our terms, that's approximately eight generations, right? So eight generations times how many people and how many people reproduce. We could see with that time length, they could easily, you know, <laughs> populate a city in 800 years, right? Or have large tribes. Interesting stuff. Verse 5. Thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Wow, he was almost 1,000 years old. Verse 6. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan, 850 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enosh were 905 years and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalalal. Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalalal 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Kenan were 910 years and he died. When Mahalalal had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. 
Mahalalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Interesting character here, Enoch. Verse 19. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Okay, what does that mean? Enoch didn't die, right? Where does it say, like, remember the rest of the lineage? And Enoch lived another 365 years and he died. No. God took him up into heaven. What does that look like? Um, you got me, man. <laughs> Again, we're dealing with the supernatural, right? He did not die. Enoch did not die. God took him. Is there a, a human spirit and flesh in, in heaven and it's Enoch? Possible. I don't know. We just know that Enoch never died. Just like, what? He was gone. God took him. And that's what we walk away with verse 24. Verse 25. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son. Verse 29. And called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. So Lamech is the father of Noah, the Noah. The Noah we're dealing with here with the ark. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And that concludes lineology in, in Genesis 5. So what we looked at was the buildup from Adam and his lineage all the way down through to Noah, right? And we're looking about, man, there's about nine generations there, right? 900 years. All these guys are like, I don't know. I, have to, I don't think I even did the math properly in that one. It was a couple of thousand years there because it was like, oh, these guys, 900 years, 900 years. Like um, somebody had to sit down and work out the math. Maybe they're like, I don't know, maybe a thousand years, a couple of thousand years, 2,000 years between Adam and Noah, right? So the earth did get populated. And these guys living a long time. You can imagine what their family reunions look like, right? <laughs> Whatever celebrations they had back then, I don't know. Or, you know, the sacrifice. So we're going to get up the sacrifice on Sunday. We're going to have barbecue. You know, whatever. I guess they didn't eat animals back then either. I don't know. Um, supposedly that didn't happen until after Noah. But, you know, if it did, you can just imagine the family gatherings. If you're 900 years old, you know, how many grandkids upon grandkids, great grandkids. Oh, my word. You have generations there, right? Amazing. Super amazing. So let's just do the conclusion then, man. So, again, Cain and Abel. We saw Cain was not righteous in his heart, right? You know, just something happened through life where he just became hardened, he became envious, became angry, and became murderous, right? 
We have free will. It just transpired that way. And God gave him opportunities, right? God goes, you need to change your ways because that sin's going to eat you up, man. You already murdered your brother. And so I'm going to banish you, right? So God banished him. Abel on the other side was, was righteous, right? His heart was righteous. And after he was murdered, we see that, you know, I can't remember what it was, how many years later, how many, how many centuries it was. Was it 500? I can't remember. That Adam and Eve conceived, or Adam knew Eve, right? And conceived, and they had Seth. And we see with uh, Seth, there was a very righteous lifestyle where they called upon the name of the Lord, right? But then we get, we see the, the lineage of Cain where we see polygamy starting and all sorts of crazy things that, that aren't righteous to God. So it's kind of interesting to see the dichotomy and how, you know, one father's watered down his values. It gets watered down, watered down, watered down, right? And the righteous keeps going through another lineage. Interesting stuff. Fascinating, right? And oh my God, Enoch, right? Enoch's going to probably have some play again here because we have to discuss some stuff. There's a book of Enoch and I don't think it was written by him. And it was the first book of Enoch. It's not in the 66 books of the, the Bible canon, right? There's some stuff outside of it, but the Second Temple Hebrews had access to it, and I'm not so quite sure what to do with this, but that is assumed to be the Enoch in that book. Just a heads up. But this all comes into play, and I'll probably expand upon this more in our next episode, episode three, which is Genesis 6. We'll talk about the sons of God, the Nephilim, and the flood with Noah, right? That's all coming next time. That's going to be a supernatural chapter in itself. Be prepared, right? Because here it comes. Some good stuff. But until then, guys, love you guys. God bless. Again, if you're looking for this, the um, the show notes can be posted on m16ministries.blogspot.com or this episode, which will be episode two, Genesis 4 through 5, right? Cain and Abel and, and descendants of um, Adam to Noah. You'll find it there at the website. And uh, yeah, good stuff. Like our like our uh, podcast, we're small. Um, if you know the people are dealing with DID or dealing with programming, we're going to go through the Bible like this. If you're having a hard time right now, just and something stirred up what I mentioned, just take your time and try to get back to your, we call the true believer part, the true believer identity, the one that goes to church, the one that knows the true Jesus. And let that part sift the truth of what was, was stated here today. You know, we read some stuff that Cain was not the seed of a demonic spirit or satanic angel. He was not. He was the. He was just human DNA, okay? And that's the truth. And then have your true believer part, ask Jesus, is this the truth? And listen for what he says. I want you to, you know, reach out to true. You have to start learning to do that. Who's true Jesus? And push out the false Jesus. Listen for true Jesus is part of hearing God, right? We have to start learning to hear God. So, yeah. Good stuff, and I'll probably add some more things to the show notes too as I do research and stuff. And this is also just, if you're just listening in, you're not, have dissociative identity disorder, and you're just learning to go through the Bible, this is good stuff because we're going to teach it straight up, right? I want to weed out what some of the mythology stuff is, right? Like the <laughs> the one we talked about, Cain being the seed of the, the, the serpent in the tree. Oh my gosh, stop it, right? Anyhow, love you guys. And until next time, God bless. Have a good one.
his shoes.